little quell there for you starting off the new week of the Raintown Riot uh, rap artist quell Q-W-E-L kicking us off this is Thomas Mayfield alongside Bobby Lloyd and Matt Raymer with some fresh new topics for you but what I want to start with today is that we have been getting more feedback about our podcast and just want to share some of the critiques we've been getting um First off, maybe maybe we do all sound the same. Maybe we don't have the best radio voices, but we're giving our best effort. I mean, I've heard, yeah, they're just a bunch of white boys, all have the same voice. I mean, we're, we're from the good part of Albuquerque, not from the Rasa. So I don't know what else to say about that. Maybe we can get a microphone, and that might help a little bit. Um, and, yeah. uh, Matt and I aren't actually from Albuquerque. Okay. We both come from these mountains on the other side of Albuquerque. Uh, but I believe Matt is actually part Native American. I'm a mutt. I have a lot of things in me. Yeah, so we're not all white boys. Matt is part Native American, very small part. Okay. And I believe you... Yeah, I'm half Hispanic. Half Hispanic, which, depending on how you classify white boy, makes uh, Thomas almost a minority. Yeah, we're we're not even just a white podcast here. We have all sorts of diversity. Yeah, it's not even like we all three have green eyes either. Yeah. We're just representing Albuquerque. We're just trying to we're just trying to throw that out there that we're so yeah. so squash that beef. We're definitely not just a group of white guys that sound the same talking about sports. We're very uh, diverse, come from different neighborhoods. Maybe I should deepen my voice up a little bit. You know, sound a little more like manly. It's like Scotty Pippen said this. I think I think sure, there's sure, sort yeah. of an expectation when you're on radio to try to do some. Hey, what's up? This is the Raintown Riot, and we are bringing you the hottest sports topics of the week. Well, Bob, you love doing different like, voices and stuff. Yeah, like you got to. Well, you, there's just an expectation for us to uh, change it up a little bit, and maybe bring a little sex appeal on our voices on air. All right, Tom. Well, that, what else? What well, else that, you got? that being said, and um, that all of our. Topics may not be of interest to the listener. So I think what we're going to start doing is when we post our podcast to Podomatic, we're going to list when we change topics so it's more user-friendly. If the listener wants to hear about UFC, we can send them right to that. You can go right to that time uh, spot. If they want to hear more about NBA, we can do the same as following. So... Um, keep sending us your critiques. We love to hear back from you guys. You can uh, email us at raintownriot at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter. We can respond in, yeah, whatever way you want to get back to us. So people are saying we don't have good radio voices? We don't have good radio voices. We're a bunch of white boys was the critique. I mean, I, I feel like... I feel like that's an unacceptable thing to say that we're a bunch of white boys. Like, is that supposed to be negative? I feel like somebody's trying to talk shit to us. Yeah. That being said, we may not have radio voices, but I don't think we have radio faces either. I think we're kind of pretty, too pretty for radio. Yeah, you guys that haven't met us in person that are judging our radio voices, I'm pointing my finger at the hypothetical listener right now because you don't understand how handsome we are. Yeah, wait till you see us. We all got beards. Yeah, we have beards, green eyes. It's a pretty good-looking crew of people. We might not be great on radio, but in person, you you would love us. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get into some sports here. The three good-looking broadcasters here are going to talk about some NBA Finals, of course. And uh, tonight, we got Game 5 with the Warriors up 3-1 over the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Warriors didn't quite dominate game four and beat Cleveland in Cleveland, but they won pretty handily. The fourth quarter wasn't super close. Steph Curry had a huge rebound with 38 points, and Cleveland kind of got stifled by the defense in the fourth quarter. So uh, how do you guys see game five playing tonight? I didn't understand exactly what you were saying when he had a huge rebound. I thought you meant that he had like either one rebound in the game and it was big time, but no, you were saying he recovered from not playing big in the series before that and then had a huge game. Well, everybody, the, all you kept four. hearing is the criticism of Curry. What's Curry doing? He, he played. He didn't play well in game three. It was his worst playoff game of his career. And so he rebounded. He had a bounce-back performance. Yeah, big-time performance. 
Um, just so, celebrate the Warriors. Appreciate what they're giving us, folks. Some of the best basketball of all time right here. Um, I'm expecting them to close out the series, if not tonight. Uh, I'd be shocked if Cleveland is able to come back and win three games against a team like this. Oh, we, I have good. to mention, I have to mention, I didn't say this at the beginning, but Draymond Green is suspended for game five for the play with LeBron James. He had the altercation where some people say Green flopped. I don't think he flopped. And LeBron James freaking steps over Draymond Green. Like, completely disrespecting him. I don't know if he's trying to teabag him, what he's trying to do. But this is in the fourth quarter, and the game was pretty much a hand. And, of course, Draymond Green gets upset, and he swipes his hand, and it comes close to contact with the private parts of LeBron James. So the NBA reviewed it. Oh, is that, it. What, is that yeah, why they yeah. decided to... LeBron, because... No, it caught him in the crotch, it looked like, on replay. It looked like caught him, but LeBron didn't, like, fall at all, so I don't think it really hit him good. If you're a guy, you get hit in the nuts, you fall. But anyway, he, uh, unless LeBron James has balls of steel, you never know with that guy. But anyway, what happened is he steps over him, Jeremiah Green gets pissed, and was, I think it was more like trying to push him away, but it looked like a swipe toward his private section, and uh, LeBron got pissed at altercation, then the NBA reviewed it after the game and assessed Jeremiah Green with a flagrant one. So what are you saying, Matt? What's your opinion on this? Well, my opinion is it's mixed. It's really mixed, honestly, because if you look at the Coleman, it's a he got suspended. Let's make it clear. He was suspended because of the culmination of acts he's had throughout this postseason. How the NBA works is they have a point system. So each technical foul is worth a certain amount of points. Each flagrant one foul, each flagrant two fouls is worth a certain amount of points. And through the three acts Draymond Green has had this postseason, it added up to a suspension. The first one was he kind of tackled um, in the Houston Rockets series. He tackled Beasley with like two seconds to go in the fourth quarter. It's a stupid, dumb play. And then everybody heard the, the kick around the world, right? When he kicked Steven Adams in the nuts. And then now this one. So this added up to that. However, I think it's ridiculous that he's getting suspended for this when LeBron James completely set him up for this. He stepped over him, completely disrespecting him, putting his nuts close to Draymond's head. I think that's completely ridiculous and very unsportsmanlike. And what Draymond did, I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem with how Draymond responded to that. Well, what Draymond did to respond to that was apparently he said something to LeBron that LeBron said was out of hand that you don't say on the court. He took it too far. It came out. He called him a bitch. That's what he said. Which I am shocked about LeBron, like, what, like, I don't know, Matt, like, you've been on highly competitive, like, playing sports at a high level, like, I don't, isn't that fairly common, drawing? It's extremely common. Yeah, I don't know what LeBron, like, I feel like that's said to everyone throughout the game all the time, unless people just treat LeBron better. I'm, I'm a huge LeBron advocate, I just, I think he's just making an excuse right there, though. I bet he's got, been called that several times throughout the not LeBron. That, that kind of thing doesn't happen to LeBron. You don't think so? He's the king. You treat royalty with a certain level of respect. I think LeBron James has earned that throughout his career, and I think players kind of look up to him, admire him, and they don't really talk shit to LeBron in that sense. Bob, I'm good. But if you're that high, you're high that mighty, you don't go and step over someone and completely disrespect them when you're frustrated because your team's getting their ass kicked in the NBA Finals the fourth quarter, the 10-point game with a well, minute left. I just think we're talking about him? LeBron in a royalty sense. LeBron is the king of basketball. King well, James, correct? Well, don't get butt hurt over someone calling you a bitch then. I think a, a king would, wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't accept that type of uh, The king doesn't get his talk. ass kicked in the NBA Finals either. That's a fair I think, point. <laughs> I, I think when we're looking at Draymond Green... Uh, Potentially making contact with another player's testicles. Um, we're looking at maybe there's some context to this because he did just uh, rupture Stephen Adams' testicles in the last series of the of the playoffs in a highly controversial play that he wasn't punished for. And then when you take a swipe at King James's testicles in the final series, maybe there's some reason to be like we have to put some limits on what Draymond Green is allowed to get away with. Well, so, so I'm wondering, Matt, what did you want to see happen? Are you fine with the Draymond suspension? Just yes or no? Yes or no? No. Okay. 
And, well, do you think something should have happened to LeBron? Aside from what was – he was – there was just a double technical? I think, I think it should have been a double technical on the floor, and that's it. I don't think it should have been a flagrant one to Draymond Green. So I think it was completely instigated by LeBron James. And I thought it was – LeBron James, I thought that was at a big fault as well. Right. It was instigated. And he only got a technical. Draymond Green got a flagrant one. It was instigated on, on LeBron, no doubt. Like, I, he was trying to get in Draymond's head, I'm sure, right there with, with what he was doing. But he, um, he also – where was I going with Excuse me, Thomas. Let me interrupt you here. Matt, did it seem to you that LeBron James threw Draymond on the ground? I think it was definitely not a flop. I don't know if it was like a full-fledged power slam or anything like that, but it was definitely contact pushing Draymond Green. Yeah, so he pushes Draymond, and you're saying he did flop or didn't flop? Did not flop. Did not flop. So he pushes Draymond Green to the ground. This would be where the technical comes in. And then... No, 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 no. Technical comes in when LeBron James steps over Draymond Green when he has plenty of court to go around him. There's no reason. This is the top of a three-point line, and he completely steps over him. Just completely disrespecting him. And then afterwards, after he, obviously he gets upset with Draymond Green swiping at his testicles, so he gets in the Draymond Green's face. So usually when you have two players getting each other's face, technicals happen. But I think the instigation and the getting in the face is a warrant to technical. Not for throwing the ground. That was not a technical at all. I think this is... Interesting. These two have been like friends in the past. These two had like friendly bets with Michigan State and Ohio State throughout the college season. They're betting like extremely expensive bottles of wine with each other. And now LeBron is really taking it personal. I don't know if you guys heard Clay Thompson's thoughts on the matter. Clay Thompson pretty much called LeBron soft, and he was shocked because exactly your point earlier, Thomas, was that. It's not uncommon on a sports um, arena or in a court or field or wherever sport you're playing that trash talk happens. And a lot of times it's really brutal and it's, it's for adults. You don't have very kind words all the time. Look at Kevin Garnett. He was known to be an extremely big trash talker. And for someone to call you a bitch to get their feelings hurt that bad is awful. And that's what Clay Thompson was just saying is, I don't know, I'm just shocked that his feelings got hurt that bad. Bob, what do you think? I'm trying to just defend LeBron here, but it's it's pretty tough for me just because I uh, I remember Kevin Garnett talking crap to Carmelo a couple years ago. I I just kind of want LeBron to be the king, but he's obviously not. You know, like how would Michael Jordan have responded to this situation? He would have scored sixty points and won the basketball game. You know, you don't just like sit there and pout when you lose and then get mad when the other team is talking trash to you. You bring it and you. You win. You win the bat. If you're the best player in the world, you make it known that you're the best player in the world, and that's why Michael Jordan has been so celebrated, and LeBron is always going to be seen as like not on his level, not the same type of competitor. It just seems like maybe a sense of entitlement from LeBron that uh, that we're not seeing from like the greatest players ever, you know. So yeah, I I think. It was wrong, but to transition a little bit here, Draymond, okay, Draymond Green's out for this night. Let's talk about more on the court. And the Cleveland Cavaliers, there's an interesting thing about Kyrie Irving. And Kyrie Irving's great. He's a great offensive player, all these things. Can we hold on for one second before we move away from the Draymond Green point? Because I just, I just want to hammer one thing home. I don't really think that if this, game, that if this series was close... I don't think Draymond Green gets a suspension. Same here. I think if it was 2-2, I think Draymond is playing tonight. I think the NBA has an interest in prolonging the series, making this go longer, selling more tickets, making more money, getting more TV money. And if they can kind of stack the odds in Cleveland's favor to extend the uh, series a little bit, then they'll, they're doing that. And that's kind of what I think we're seeing more than anything. I mean, obviously you got to protect players. If it turns out that Draymond Green might actually be like, going after people and trying to swipe into their balls or whatever, like, like trying to hurt. that, that is like the number one way you can hurt these athletes. They're pretty much impregnable beasts. Like you're not going to be able to uh, swing a punch at their chest or face and really knock them out for too long. You know, they're going to be fine, but you can, you can really hurt a guy 
if you hit him in if you hit him in the balls. Stephen Adams is a monster, but uh, Draymond Green dropped him to his knees, ruptured his yeah. testicle. It's a, so you, it's a serious uh, medical condition, so you do have to protect them. But I really don't think it was about that in this instance. So you really think this is a conspiracy with the NBA and a way to make more money, give the Cleveland a better odds, better chance by far. I mean, you're getting rid of a second team All NBA player, an All Star off the team. You'd normally think that. That gives a big advantage to the other team now. Well, yeah, it does give a big advantage to the other team. It gives Cleveland a much better opportunity to maybe win the game in uh, Oakland Oakland. and then bring it back to Cleveland, potentially win game six. And then so you move on. Instead of a five-game series, you might have a seven-game series. Each one of those brings how many millions of dollars to the NBA. There's definitely an incentive there. And considering it wasn't an on-call I mean, an on-the-court call by the refs that they were forced to uh, enforce on Draymond. I think it's, it seems pretty likely to me. What's your opinion, Thomas? I'd have to agree with you. Like I just said, I stated that if this series was 2-2, I think Draymond would be playing tonight. But um, being that it's not and that this the NBA needs this to be more competitive and this is... Um, I mean, was a wrongdoing by Draymond, and it has continued to be throughout the whole playoffs. That I wouldn't say it's an excuse, but it's a good way to provide more drama to this playoff series. Oh yeah, okay. So two things on this. One, I agree that I think it is the NBA doing this. I agree with you guys that this would not be a suspension if Cleveland was winning the series, and just like how Green wasn't suspended for the Stephen Adams kick. Similar type of thing. <clears throat> Secondly, how good are the Golden State Warriors? They are so good. They are five and a half point favorites tonight after losing Draymond Green for tonight. They're still five and a half point favorites again in the NBA Finals. I think it just. I think that's really really special. Yeah, it is. I mean, we've talked about this all all season long. They're one of the best home court teams in the history of the NBA. So I think you still have to respect the fact that they're in the Oracle at home. They lost one of their most important players, but they still have the best player in the world on their team. Um, I do expect them still to win tonight, even without Draymond, but we'll see here in a few hours. This is what I want to, this is what I want to talk about right now. Let's talk about the nature of being great and attracting haters. They, it seems like they're so damn good that Anytime you're that good, you're that dominant in a sport, or, or at, at least definitely in sports, right? But in music also, in, and in competitive atmosphere, when you're when you're killing it, eventually there's a group, there's a subculture of people that start to hate you. Um, we're sitting at the table here with a well-documented hater of the Golden State Warriors, so I kind of want to interview Mr. Thomas Mayfield about why. He's drawn to hate the Warriors and what it seeds from and what he thinks. What is, so uh, why don't you tell us some people about your hate for the Warriors to start off with, Thomas? So first off, my hate probably began because I feel like everyone jumped on the Steph Curry bandwagon in Dave, at Davidson when he was at Davidson. Uh-huh. And I didn't think any of these people were true fans. Then... My hate continued because I was wrong about Steph Curry. I thought he would be a very mediocre NBA player, and I guess I just don't like being wrong, so it's continued there. Uh-huh. I'll, I'll keep going. Also, what's the deal here? Steph and Clay are just some rich kids that get, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, I feel like it's easy to like, like players that may come from poverty or have a different story than being handed everything throughout their lives. Um, I mean, both of those two were, come from NBA yeah, families. Their dads yeah, are very successful right, NBA right. players probably grew up in mansions that had indoor basketball courts yeah. at their house. And, uh, well, that really okay, stuff yes. is outdoor. Uh, okay. And anyway, the hate has continued because Steph Curry, I feel like is the most arrogant basketball player in the league right now. Okay. So it's just to add on these points. My dad absolutely hates the Warriors. Really? My uncle absolutely hates the Warriors. Really? And I argue with my dad all the freaking time. And his his point is that he just doesn't like the style of basketball is one big thing. He doesn't like the shooting all over the place. He don't think he doesn't think that they're tough. 
He thinks that this day and age of basketball isn't nearly as good as basketball back in the day. And they just bug him. He says he just doesn't like the way they play. And he thinks, of course, he's biased. And he thinks the Bulls would kick their ass and it wouldn't be close. But so I would give him just to make him appreciate it, appreciate what he sees. But that's just from some of the another perspectives of why they hate so the Warriors. So we got a couple different haters here. It sounds like we have Thomas, who's hating them for his own uh, egotistical reasons, and then also just maybe kind of uh, the arrogance some of socioeconomic reasons, and also just their general attitude towards the way that they might be handling being one of the best basketball teams of all time, if not the best. And then we've got uh, Rame Nation. Uh, if you're not familiar with Rame Town's dad, we refer to him as Rame Nation. Uh, he is hating them because maybe um, it's not the same style of basketball that he grew up with, and he just doesn't think that it's uh, – doesn't like it. He's not, not really accepting of the new revolution in the way that we play basketball which advanced statistics has told us, like, shoot as many threes as you possibly can if you're good at making threes because you get one and a half times as many points for each basket that you score, and at the end of the game it adds up and you'll probably win. That's it, It's interesting to me that your dad hates him. I would have figured that he loved – I love watching the Warriors play. I love, I love their attitude, like – I love the ball movement. I love how smart they are. Uh, there's just so many geniuses all over the floor doing, like, incredible things. But uh, a lot of Thomas's stuff I get. I get I get not not rooting for the, for the rich kids. Like, I would rather see Damian Lillard succeed than Steph Curry just because I'm not a rich kid. Uh, I wasn't given every opportunity in life. And so when I see somebody who comes from a background more similar to me, then I, then I root for him. I'm like, that's... That's pretty sick, you know? Okay, so I have arguments for against both of you. For one, the arrogance of Steph Curry, I would completely disagree with you. I think he's arrogant on the court. I would agree. He celebrates when he makes a shot. But off the court, he is not even nearly arrogant. And there's players, way more players that are much, much, much more arrogant. Kobe Bryant is the first one that comes to my mind. Michael Jordan comes to my mind. Which a lot of times, brilliance is arrogance in terms of greatness. And secondly... Uh, to your point about poverty, he did grow up um, and much less money, right? And much less money than who? The average. I mean, Steph Curry had much more money. Oh, and Clay Thompson. Money. Yeah, okay. like yeah, he didn't grow up in poverty. Um, however, I think what it ma- what makes him so attractive is he's six two. He's like one hundred and eighty five pounds, and it's just more you can relate to him being great. You can relate to shooting a bunch and working on your skills and crafting your skills to such superior talent to everybody else compared to being 6'8", 270 like LeBron James and jumping and dunking everybody. People can't do that. You can relate to Steph Curry. It makes more I could sense. relate to Allen Iverson. I could relate to Allen Iverson being small, like growing up in, uh, in the big city, going to a public school, just always playing basketball, loving basketball. I can't really relate to Steph Curry. Steph Curry... Um, Hanging out with NBA players when you're three years old. Um, Allen Iverson went to Georgetown, though, a big-time school. Curry wasn't highly recruited at all. Virginia Tech told him he had to walk on. He was not highly – Duke in North Carolina didn't do anything to send him anything. And he grew up in North Carolina in that prime It's just the way I am, Matt. I don't and think I Davidson. will ever feel bad for someone who but he comes still from a, a household that's worth millions but of dollars. He, uh, my point is that he still worked his ass off to get to that point. In college, he was not highly recruited at all. Whereas you're talking about Allen Iverson, he was extremely highly recruited. At the time, Georgetown was a powerhouse when he went there. Well, they they, they both worked their ass off, obviously. Well, obviously you don't get both, that. They're two of the most talented players of all time. I know, but I'm just saying there's things that differ, but stiff, differ with Steph Curry. I can see if he grew up in really wealth and he was like LeBron James were at 12 years old, people were saying he's going to be NBA right away. Like, it was, di- it was just different. Like, some of these players are grew up in poverty, but they... They were so great by young age that people knew they were going to be in the NBA. It's interesting to bring up LeBron James because I have been a career-long hater of LeBron James. Not initially. I was I was hyped for him in high school. I bought his rookie jersey when I was like, I don't know, 14. I bought his rookie jersey with the Cavaliers. And then I saw his attitude and how cocky he was, how I believed he was so great. A lot of the same arrogance type of stuff. And I've been rooting for him to lose ever since then. 
Like, and I can't seem to get over it. Obviously, I, pre- I appreciate what I see. I think he's one of the best basketball players of all time. Um, and I, but when I think about who he is as a man, I think he's been a pretty remarkable person for what, like, what he stands for and the way that he, the way that he conducts himself. And him and his background coming from not having a father at all, I think it's an interesting contrast with Steph Curry, who grew up uh, obviously with like very strong household support. So while Steph Curry may have had to uh, work and get him get his way into a small university and then build hype for himself through that small university, LeBron gets all that hype. I think what LeBron had to work through as a kid even with all that hype, with maybe not having, like, that family support system, is, uh, I think he worked his way through quite a bit more adversity than Steph Curry did. Okay. So I hear what you're saying, Matt, about Steph overcoming the odds of not being highly recruited out of college, and I think that's a great point. Um, But I still, I guess one of the main reasons still for me is his cockiness. And, I mean... He comes off to me as the most cocky player in the NBA. I don't. If LeBron was to shoot a three, turn around, start running down the court, don't you think he gets a lot more flack than the way from what Curry does, or them running down the court? Have you ever seen a shooter that good? No. And most of the times it goes in. Yeah, but is that? St- it doesn't matter. That's still cocky, right? Okay. What? So he's utilizing his best tool of shooting, where he shoots. And he's super cocky. About it. LeBron James is best tool of going dunking on somebody. He celebrates like crazy on a dunk. Why can't he celebrate like crazy on a three? Thomas, is Swaggy P not one of your absolute favorite basketball players? He is one of my Swaggy favorite. Swaggy P, Nick Young? Yeah, but he, it's humanizing to me because he'll shoot a three, airball it. No, he'll, he'll shoot a three, miss it, and be celebrating, which is <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, so, so it's okay if, if, if you turn around and act cocky and fail... And you're some sort of like clown for the rest of the world to laugh at. But if you're so great and you have so much confidence in yourself that you know you're going to make that shot. Because I, I haven't seen Steph Curry celebrate before the shot went in and miss. I have. He has done that? I, I've, I've seen him do it to, to Clay. I've seen he him pass the ball to Clay. I've seen him. And celebrate it. And then start running down the court. Yeah. But okay. that's arrogant when you're celebrating your teammate? When you think his te- your teammate's shot's going to go in? That was confidence in his teammate, correct? That's not arrogant. I can see that as arrogant. You, you're why, arrogant as your team when you just won why, seven why games? You, why aren't you crashing the boards and getting a rebound instead of running back expecting the shot to go in? I mean, usually, typically, point guards don't crash offensive glass that much in basketball. You know that. You play basketball. Usually, you have to get back. You know I mean, that. I'm crashing the boards. Not point guards. I mean, guards. they're hustling coach. They're not a point guard. Got him, coach! I consider myself a point However, guard. and rebounding points, Curry is one of the better rebounding guards in the NBA. But it's mainly defense rebounds. Okay, this is... Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I, yeah, I can't I'm, argue with his rebounding. All right, we're going to we'll talk about this. We'll agree to this. I'm biased for Curry and Thompson because I respect him and I'm a Warriors fan. You guys have your own unique opinions. Let's transition to the Game 5 here. So what I was saying earlier is I was reading a statistic about Kyrie Irving. And granted, he's an amazing offensive player, and he ranks really high in so many three-point shooting, free throw, getting the basket, finishing at the rim, handles, all these things. But his row plus minus, so row plus minus takes into account all aspects of the game. Offense, defense, all of it. And he has a minus two row plus minus. You're considering a guy that's supposed to be all NBA or in that criteria, and he has a row plus minus of minus, Minus two, his defensive numbers are not good. The reason being is he falls asleep on defense. He gets lazy. His on-ball defense isn't bad, but it's just other things. His hustle getting back in transition. All these things that really I think are attributing, and I don't believe Kyrie Irving gets enough blame for Cleveland as where Kevin Love gets all the blame. Oh, I think Kyrie gets plenty of blame. I All I've been hearing about is Cleveland, after the first two games of this Series is blowing up the whole blueprint, going out and trading for another point guard after this season's over. I don't see I don't see them talking about anyone else. I, I mean last week we I talked about Kyrie's shooting numbers, like four for twenty-six when he's in isolation plays and eight for nine on uh, catch and shoots. Like I think he's getting plenty of blame. Doesn't it seem like the one and done era at Duke is not producing winning basketball players and not paying off in the same way that you would think it would with the 
big blue time I mean, blue chip recruits that they've had. And then uh, Kyrie Irving obviously obviously has had a lot of star power in the NBA, but it turns out that he hasn't had big results. Um, never got close to making the playoffs before LeBron James came back to Cleveland. And now that he's there and you look at the advanced statistics, it looks like he is not contributing to wins for their team. Then you also look at Jabari Parker. Things might pay off with him. Things That's too quick to tell. ACL injury is really... He had an ACL injury, but he has not produced at the same level that he was expected to. Neither has Okafor... It's just interesting. Austin, Austin Rivers. Okay, well, wait, wait, wait. Are we are we just saying Duke? Because if you really look at Kentucky, too, I mean, you may have an outlier in Anthony Davis and... Or on Big Towns. Well, John okay. Wall. Okay, but what have, they, what, what have they accomplished, though? What have, and, then, and then you can think of uh, who was the lefty... Lefty guard that lost to Connecticut. Um, hold on real quick. Just for our listeners, we've transitioned a little bit here. So now we started talking about players that are coming into we'll just, the NBA. Young talent from Duke and Kentucky in particular. And whether they are making big contributions team to win the NBA I'm finals. just saying this might not be a Duke thing. I'm saying this might be a one and done thing. Is what I'm saying. I, 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 mean, I mean, it's tough, tough, tough to say whether or not... Um, one and done. Like I, I have a tough time blaming the whole thing on the one and done aspect. Like saying like, oh, John Wall hasn't accomplished anything in the NBA. Well, how many players get to win a championship in their first five years in the NBA? Right. So you we know? can use that argument against Duke about what you just said. I also. will use the argument against Duke, but I do feel like there are there are a lot of like I feel like maybe Duke isn't contributing to these players' success and not really developing during their year there. Austin Rivers is a good example of a blue-chip recruit that took three years of being in the NBA and a very fortunate opportunity that his dad is the head coach of the Clippers before he started contributing in a positive manner to a basketball team. Um, it just, like just seems the like same. maybe their era is not... Maybe it's not working for them over there. I don't know. I mean, I could feel, feel like I could say the same about Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. Yeah, exactly. I, mean, I, mean, I mean, okay, I think um, it's been it's pretty well actually documented. Duke's basketball players in general have not produced a lot of stars. For how many great players they get in college, how great they are in college, they have not produced a lot of NBA stars over their time. Um, if you look, I mean, you could, Shane Batty is one of their best players, and he was never a star. Elton Brand. Elton Brand, yeah, he was never a star. He was he a good was player. A he was an all-star. He was a good player. But Rookie I of the year. Okay, but I still think he would have. He, he wasn't the best player on some of these teams if you're going to win. Yeah, who the hell cares about him? Yeah. Like, anyway, anyway, I was. Let's get back to this. Let's get back to the NBA Finals here. So, game five tonight without Green Thomas. You've already said you think Golden State's going to win. What do you think, Bob? I can pick Golden State. I'm you, you. You miss Draymond Green, but you still have the best player in the world. You still have the best team in the world. Uh, Draymond Draymond Green is the man. Uh, always making right basketball plays, but they, they have a lot of guys that play defense, a lot of guys that make the right basketball players, and they're at home, two of the best shooters of all time. Two of the best head coaches in the league. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Luke Walton. On the same team. <laughs> I didn't know what you were talking about. Yeah, Luke Walton, the future head coach of the L.A. Lakers. What was his record as a head coach? Like 35-1? and one? Something, something, something crazy. Better winning percentage than Kerr. Insane. All right, so yeah. I hope Steph Curry comes out and just freaking kills it tonight. Goes off for like 40 and just completely puts a stamp on this in, in the finals. And uh, I think Golden State's going to win. And with that, I think we're going to transition next segment to a little soccer talk. It's a big thing going around the world right now. And uh, we'll be wrapping back. up uh, the rest of the NBA finals next week and talking about the results and congratulating our champions. Be back with you here in a second. All right, we're going to give a little advertisement here. This goes out to JRC Inc. They are a construction company that goes from the foundation up. They really focus on concrete work and all foundation type. Because everybody knows a building and your structure in general is made from the ground up. So you got to start good and make sure it's built, built right. So if you have any questions or anything, you can call 505-379-3065. Starts with a solid foundation. Uh-huh. Hey! Uh-huh. Here we go. Back with the Rametown Riot. Thanks for JRC Inc. for the sponsorship. 
Uh, we got some exciting stuff going on in the world of football. And I'm not talking about American football. I'm talking about football, the Mexicana, the every other country around the world, as they call it, F-U-T-B-O-L. Big time. Matt, why don't you break down for us a little scene what's going on in soccer? All right, all right. So I know a lot of listeners or Americans do not love soccer. They're not about professional soccer. But right now, this is probably the second biggest time for soccer in the world. You have the Euro Cup and the Copa Cup going on. And the Euro Cup, as it states, is all the European teams. They play in a big tournament for an ultimate champion. And the Copa Cup is all of this region of the world. So we have South America, you have North America, and teams such as like Argentina, Brazil, Mexico, Canada, United States. Big-time teams. And the really cool thing is the Copa America is being placed in the United States this time. So all the games are being played throughout the United States. And right now, uh, the Copa America, let's go to the USA. I want to say talk about USA first. Were you calling it the Copa Cup or the Copa America? Copa America, Copa. Because I'm studying Spanish right now, and Copa Cup would be the Cup Cup. cup. And if it's the Cup Cup, that's ridiculous. I don't speak Spanish. All right, well, we'll we'll call it the Copa America then because it makes sense to me. All right, Copa America. Break it down, Matt. All right, all right. So, yeah, let's talk about the U.S. So, the U.S. uh, started their bracket, their regions. How it breaks down is they get separated into four team brackets and then the tournament kind of breaks up like the NCAA tournament. And so in the United States tournament bracket, you had Colombia, the United States, Costa Rica, and Paraguay. And the U.S. started off with a really rough start. They lost to Colombia 2-0 and were really kind of dominated in that game. However, in their second game against Costa Rica, their backs against the wall, they had a huge performance and won 4-0. Completely crushed them. And then their last game... They uh, beat Paraguay 1-0, and they've got an early lead, and then they got a red card, so they had to play 10 versus 11, and still held on for victory. And by having that, they actually advanced as the first place team out of their bracket, moving to the quarterfinals. And in the quarterfinals, they play Ecuador on Thursday, June 16th at 7.30 p.m. So if you guys can watch us, support the United States. It's always fun to see how far we can go. I feel like the United States soccer... We're really right there on the brink of becoming to that world to compete for a World Cup, per se. We, we keep getting much better, but we never quite break that point. We're ramping up, and uh, it's exciting to see how much support we're getting, growing support for our national team. Uh, I think what's going to hold us back is that we're not really getting the same level of interest in our uh, private teams are are development lead, like the MLS isn't really getting the same level of support as it's our national growing. team. It's growing, but it is though. growing every year. Uh, obviously, soccer is a great game, most popular game in the world. Uh, super, super exciting, and uh, and hopefully the opportunity to hold the Copa America here in the United States is bringing in a lot of new fans, inspiring a lot of young kids, and uh, hopefully within the next couple of decades we will become a world powerhouse in soccer the way that we already dominate in the rest of sports so although we're talking about the growth of soccer in america i didn't even know this was going on and i consider myself an avid sports fan that does a sports podcast damn it i yeah you obviously don't watch espn very much then or espn.com is all over it all I need to do is listen to the Rangtown Riot and I get all my sports knowledge I need. But anyway, that's what we're giving it to you yeah. right now. Right. That's true. So even though soccer is growing, I didn't even know this was taking place in America and for the most part didn't, had limited knowledge about it. I heard most of what was going on from one of my friends that's foreign uh, from Honduras, uh, another big soccer country. So yes, there is growth. Um, and yes, it seems the U.S. is getting better, but I think the U.S. needs to maintain or continue and increase success for the average fan to care more. Yeah, one thing I can say to that is these games have been packed. All these venues for these games have been packed, and uh, I think the support is really growing. And I think soccer, if you look at MLS, they're, you have like five main cities right now that are just diehard soccer. 
where they sell out the games and they have great tradition already starting, but that's only for like five big cities now. You're talking Portland, Seattle, Kansas City, and those cities where as once they start, MLS starts growing and expanding to more teams, to more cities, it will help. And I think it'll come. I think Salt Lake City has a big following. Uh, for youth sports, under uh, kids under 14, they're playing more soccer than any other sport in the country right now here in the U.S. So it's big time. This is, this is the future. Uh, we want to be involved with the rest of the world, competing with the rest of the world, and hopefully beating the rest of the world. And I think it's going to come in time. Uh, Rome wasn't built in a day. We're a little, we've been a little bit behind the world. It's tough for us to compete with how uh, fascinated we are with NFL and American football, which no one else in the world seems to care about too much. But I believe that uh, we love sports so much here in America, we will be competing. I mean, we're already competing. We're already beating good teams. And uh, hopefully one day we'll bring home a big-time trophy, like maybe a Mer Copa America or a World Cup trophy, and the uh, whole world will be behind it. It'll be awesome. So referencing back to the beginning of the show, I forgot to mention one of the critiques of myself, which was being called a negative Nancy. Mm. So, I mean, I mean, I, I am kind of down on this whole soccer thing, as I was just mentioning, but maybe that's just me being negative. Every show has a negative Nancy, and you're that guy. Whatever. Yeah, I, I'm going to just have to accept that role. But go on, Raymond. <laughs> so I want to talk about a little about this, Copa. So if you can't follow it, it's great. We have the best player in the world, in my opinion, Messi. You know, Messi is in the United States playing. And just go, choke, go check it out. If you can do it, you can do it. And uh, it's really exciting time for the United States and all these things. And if we could win this cup, I think it would be huge for the growth of soccer altogether. And then one last thing I want to say about the soccer is that it's a little scary that our team is so heavily dependent on our old players, our key veterans. We have a large age, age discrepancy between our best players. So Clint Dempsey has been our best player so far. He has goals in back-to-back -back games, and he's like 32, 33 years old. He's a world-class player. World-class yeah. player. He's been over 50 national goals for the United States. Second most to Landon Donovan, but it's just a little scary that he can't play forever. And then you have Michael Bradley, who's also getting up there in age. He's a key contributor. And then you have Jeremy, Jeremy Jones, who also scored another goal, who's another key contributor. But they're Is all Donovan still playing? No, 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 no. Donovan. He gone. didn't make the last. He didn't make the last World Cup. Yeah. Oh, okay. Was, you don't remember that? That was crazy controversy. Know, whatever. But anyway, yeah. So they're not playing. So we really need some of our young youth soccer players to step up. And take control of being like the new man, being the new guy. So that's my take on that. Hopefully, ex UNM Lobo Devin Sandoval be rising on the scene. Plays for the Colorado right now. Big time, big time. Uh, Thomas, you had an interesting uh, take on soccer with uh, Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo being the two best players so, in the world. So off air, we were talking about the comparison of LeBron and Curry. And it just it has always reminded me, or it's reminded me more recently, though, about the comparison of Ronaldo and Messi. Ronaldo being this athletic specimen, uh, total freak of nature, compared to, similarly, to LeBron. Um, just total, totally, like, the best athlete on the field of play at all times, is how they're compared and I compare Messi more to Curry in the fact that their skill level is so in, immensely high. I mean, they, in each respective sport, could be the best, the most skilled player in their sport in the history of each sport, said sport. One unique thing you can say about that is I agree with you completely. I think Messi and Curry comparison is awesome. They both are insanely skilled and they're not the biggest guys, they're not all these things, but their skill is far superior to other players. But what's so unique about it is how soccer works, how it's such a worldwide game, is that Messi and Ronaldo are beloved. They are the most, two most popular athletes, and they're beloved. Whereas in the United States, you see so much discrepancy between who's loved between Curry, who's loved between LeBron. I mean, overall, I feel like they both are liked a lot, but I feel like there's more discrepancy. 
I feel like, though, if you talk to Barca fans and Real Madrid fans, they hate the other one. I think, I think it's kind of the same. Um, that being said, also, Ronaldo is the most popular athlete in the world, and Messi's probably better than him. And it's kind of the same. LeBron is the most popular basketball player in the world, but I think it's common opinion now to think that Curry is better than him. Um, but I actually disagree with you. I think a lot of Messi fans hate the other, and Ronaldo fans hate the other. Cristiano Ronaldo made some documentary, and he uh, refers to himself as the best player in the world a couple times in the documentary. There's a documentary called Ronaldo, and it's autobiographical. And then I watched a YouTube video of Messi's reaction to watching this documentary, and you can tell it just irks him. Like he just uh, he disrespects Ronaldo a couple times in the video that I watched, and just uh, I, I think there's no love really lost between those two. It's kind of a uh, very heated rivalry. I think it's a really heated rivalry, and I could see the other fan not liking the other player. That's common, I think, in sports in general. But I think the gen- general soccer fans that aren't aren't from Argentina or aren't Real Madrid fans or aren't from Portugal Barcelona. or Barcelona fans, you know, like that, I'm saying they're international teams and their club teams. So I'll say both things there. That the cat, the other fans, they respect both players so much that I think they like them. I think they're more likable. I'm not in Europe though, so I don't see this. And here we go with our Rametown riots, big time. Uh, Matt, why don't you get us started here? All right, I'm gonna transition to our rapid riots here. Let's do it. So my rapid riot this week is the Seattle Seahawks just gave a tryout to a very interesting person. So he is 5'9", his age is 32, he's played 11 NBA seasons, winning the slam dunk contest three times. Can you guys guess who it is? Of course I know who it is. Can you guess, Thomas? I heard who it was. Okay, it's Nate Robinson. Guys, you guys totally freaking just screwed that up to me. But anyway, Nate Robinson, yeah, so he's... uh, was a great, great player in high school football and basketball. Played at the University of Washington football for a year. Then um, transferred just to strictly basketball. But if he could somehow pull this off and become the first athlete to do both sports this way at his age would be one of the most spectacular things I've seen in my lifetime watching sports. I don't think it's going to happen. I think if the transition is just going to be too tough. I think the quickness, the... Overall, mind the mind factor that goes in the game and learning the game of being a defensive back is going for a, to be a safety slash corner, and I think it's to be extremely challenging to get his body in that physical condition and his mind in that condition. However, I'm be rooting for my crazy, and let's see if this can happen. Hard uh, not to love Nate Robinson, man. One of the best athletes of all time. I think he's probably in great condition. Uh, hopefully, he can come out and learn it. It's the odds are I definitely stacked against him. Thomas, you ready to roll? Let's go, T. First off, I just want to congratulate Matt Raymer. The word polarizing has not yet been used in this podcast. Woo! <laughs> okay, and now to my right, it's about MLB, Major League Baseball, and the randomness of baseball. I cannot believe the fluctuation of how players are um, from season to season. Jim Carlos Stanton, one of the recognized best talents in the game, is in a historic slump. And it does not look like he's getting out soon. He's like struck out 19 of 25 at bats. He's batting 120. Batting 120. There's and he's not the only example. I mean, you look at Toronto Blue Jays, we may have touched on this earlier. Some great, great players, Troy Tulowitzki, Jose Batista, and the MVP from last year, Josh Donaldson, are all batting in the low 200s. It's just so random how baseball can be. They started picking up in the last couple weeks, but yeah, they were at a huge slump this season. And it just makes me think, if I'm one of these major league teams, do I have much faith in paying these people? I just want to touch on two players that had at one point been dear to my heart, B.J. Upton and Jason Hayward, former Braves players. B.J. Upton signed a huge contract for the Braves, was terrible. Barely batting above the Mendoza line, 200. He was, he was not playable, and he was getting $15 million a year. And the Braves traded him, and now he's 
a suitable player for the Padres. Jason Hayward, on the other hand, was let go by the, uh, was just not signed. The extension for the Braves was not signed, and I was pretty upset about that because he's still young, maybe the best right fielder in baseball. Never really had been that great of a hitter, but now is just dismal. He's batting low 200s, strikes out a ton, seeing the highest rate of fastballs in the league. 68% of the pitches he sees are fastballs, and that's just a clear tell. He's There's a clear deficiency there. He's not catching up to those pitches, and it's just so odd how random baseball can be. But that's my take, and now we are ending with Bobby. All right, here we go. Want to talk about a little bit of corruption in sports? One of Matt's favorite athletes here. I'm going to ask for you to weigh in on this once I'm done. But it turns out your boy, Brock Lesnar, who I accused of doing steroids in our last episode, has been granted drug test amnesty by the UFC. They are not going to test to see if he has been using steroids in order to promote the UFC 200 fight. It sounds to me like this is just a blatant display of corruption in the sport. Um, and it's also very dangerous to the competitors that he has to go against because obviously it gives him an unfair advantage if he's using steroids in the sport. And it also just seems kind of obvious. He's been in the WWE uh, foundation that's notoriously known as a bunch of like juiced up idiots. He's obviously been juicing. They don't want to test him so they can make money and they're putting athletes health at risk. What do you think, Matt? First question, does the WWE test for steroids? They encourage it. Okay, so obviously he does. So he's on steroids. And as a Brock Lesnar, freaking like Brock Lesnar a lot, but damn it, this pisses me off. <laughs> I hate steroids. I mean, I grew up, I've been college football, right? And I, there, I've seen steroids a bunch in my day, and I never used them, and it just uh, it irks me. But instantly, my first reaction to that was his opponent. That really sucks. And how he agreed to have this fight, knowing that. Lesnar's doing steroids is pretty crazy. Yeah, Hunt is pissed, man. Mark Hunt is like, how the hell are they not going to like drug test this dude? And then he's like, I should be, he's, he's made statements. He's like, I should be allowed to take steroids, but he has to submit to the drug testing. Dana White's like, yeah, right, Hunt, you can do steroids. <laughs> there's, correct me if I'm wrong, there's never been anything like this. No, no player, no athlete has ever been granted drug test amnesty before. This is the first time this has ever happened. I mean, I, I think generally in the WWE, they definitely don't drug test them, but we don't really think of them as athletes. We think of them more as actors that are extremely athletic, right? Like, like yeah. them being muscular is a big part of the show. When you step into the ring and people die in mixed martial arts, like if you can hit somebody in the head the wrong way, and I've, people have died. People have died this year doing it. It is just dangerous, and that is the reason it's very important that the Gaming Commission regulates steroid use, and it's interesting that there was enough money to get these people to act corruptly just to add Brock Lesnar to the card. This makes me seriously question, like, the validity of UFC. Like, the fact that they would just allow one person is just mind-blowing to me. This kind of blows my mind, too. But that's a great rapid riot, Bob, and I'd like to thank everybody who's listening to us today. And uh, we got game five tonight. Let's see if the Warriors can close it out. And uh, let's go. Let's see how polarizing Steph Curry is. We're going to be back next time with our NBA draft special, wrapping up the NBA finals, some UFC previews, and who knows what the heck else is going to happen in the world of sports. We'll be looking forward to it. Raymer used that wrong.